It's time for the Motown Rundown, presented by Impact 89 FM, WDBM. This is your home for all things Detroit sports, from the Lions and Tigers to the Pistons and Red Wings. Now here's your host, Ryan Rabinowitz. Ah, welcome one, welcome all, episode 16 of the Motown Rundown. Per usual, as Ryan Cole's voice generously said, I am your host, Ryan Rabinowitz, joined by my friends Trent Bailey, Ryan Collins, coming to you from the Impact 89 FM studios in East Lansing, Michigan. When are we going to get a little shout-out in the intro? We're going to have to that's talk to Cole about up, it. Yeah, I, that's up for you and Ryan Cole today. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't have yeah, any, we might have to talk about that. I don't think I really have any pull on that. But I'm I'm flattered that I'm in the intro. Maybe <laughs> that's, one day. That's, that's true. all I, that point. I, that was cool. I didn't expect to to have that when the when the intro came out. That's like a professional thing. Yeah, not a big deal. Yeah, not a big deal. I feel like that's one of those things I can't really just be like, hey, throw my because I just got here. I got no ground to stand in due on. time. In due time. How was uh How was Thanksgiving, guys? It was all right. A little sad. Yeah, little I've had know. better Thanksgivings. I'll tell you, but it was yeah. it was all right. I I went to my grandma's. So that is one of my favorite places on this earth. So it was great. What was the uh, what was the best dish you had on Thanksgiving? Oh, cheesecake! My mom's cheesecake. I had like five pieces. Is it is it actually homemade? It's legit cheesecake. Oh, yeah. It's she, not like she fake whips out? it all up herself. Really, complete veteran. She knows what she's doing. I respect And I mind. destroyed it in two days. I so, believe you on yeah, that one. Yeah, it was embarrassing. My grandma made the scalloped potatoes. Ooh! And, oh, it was just great. There's a little cheese in there. Oh, it was just really. I I had a couple plates of it. It was really good. I'll tell you what. My mom made mashed potatoes this year, and she wasn't happy with them. I didn't take a bite out of them. I don't really like mashed potatoes. I potatoes my, are overrated. Yeah, they are. The, the scalloped potatoes did sound nice. I had my mom made this like sweet potato. It had like some brown sugar and some like pecan. It was great. <laughs> I'm not a big again. Not a big potato guy. Not a big sweet potato guy. I think it's like a fake fake food almost. I'm not yeah. like the GMOs. Like you never know what the government's trying to pull these. I days. feel like it was big on Twitter this year too. People were like mac and cheese or like mashed potato. Yeah, mac and cheese is a hundred times better than mashed potatoes. Right, I agree. Like, it, that, that's not even an argument. But it whoever was, was trying to make that I'm argument, also, an idiot. I'm also like I do not like turkey either. Like my mom's turkey is usually you get a good turkey. Well, it's, it's usually fire. pretty good. We don't we don't deep fry it, and, and which I know like I hear deep frying is the best way to do it. And like, it's not the turkey we have is never really dry. Just, I just don't like the taste. It's a gross bird. Yeah, it's I, just gr- disgusting. I, I prefer ham. Yeah, but all that's the, just me. The Christmas ham is trash, dude. Uh, okay, I've let's, never, let's start the show here. That. Well, first of all, we got. I, I have to address something here before we move into the into the talk. We have a lot to do today. We got we got lions. Obviously, we have pistons. We have red wings. But we had a big snowfall in East Lansing. And I'm not a big, like, I love the snow. I love the winter because it's officially Christmas time. Like, the music's full blast. Like, the lights are out. We put the lights out, Christmas trees up. But I'm not a great snow walker. Like, and I, as someone who's, like, grown up, I've played hockey my whole life. But I'm not good on the snow. Like, Don't I'm a tell pa- me you ate it today. I didn't eat it. I was very close. But I, I was, I'm like a penguin walker type guy. Yeah. My thing is, my like, how, oh, my other thing, too, I told Collins, so at my apartment complex, we have the uh, there's a parking structure, and you have like, obviously there's an inside of the parking structure. And last night I was just like ah, I didn't really think about it. And I parked on on top of the structure, exposed the elements, and I was wiping off a foot of foot of snow off my car. I mean, it was I, a stupid move. Was I, I wake up to go to work today at Little Caesars. Shout out Caesars made, but uh, and I did not have the proper attire. I was slipping and sliding across the crosswalk. I thought I was gonna get ran over by yeah. a car. It was not great. And then of course. 
My manager doesn't show up for like 30 minutes and my really? paints die. There's since inches of snow on my head. My my thing is, though, and the reason why I brought it up is like, I see people biking in this weather. That's a, How do you bike in the snow? That's, that's biking in the elements and you're just risking your life. That's just like stupid to me. Listen, I can't yeah. believe it. I just put on some boots and I was trudging. Monday is my three my three class day. Oh. I did a lot of walking today. Shout out to my Fitbit. I got like 13,000 steps by oh, 5 o'clock. Good for you, Trent. Good for you. It was just a lot of walking, but I put those <laughs> boots on, and I, these boots are made for walking, baby. I just took off. Good. Good, good well, to hear. Good to hear. Before we move into the uh, Detroit sports talk, which is what you're all here for today, I want to point out, if you don't want to miss any episodes and if you want to have Motown Rundown episodes to listen to on the go for the rest of your life, be sure on iTunes, subscribe to you got to search Impact WDBM on iTunes. There's new episodes of the Motown Rundown posted every Tuesday. We record on Monday. If you subscribe to Impact WDBM on iTunes, you will see all of our new episodes as they come out. It's a little plug there. Technology's great. Anyway, we're going to kick off today's show with some Red Wings talk coming off of a 3-2 shootout loss at home to Buffalo on Saturday. Buffalo is hot, by the way. I think they've won like nine in a row. Uh, Jeff Skinner has a million goals in like yeah, 10 years. It is, it's it insane. Is, it is crazy. But uh, of course, as you know, as typical Red Wings, it's another... Uh, another game past regulation, some free hockey. They always love to give you the Red Wings. Uh, they're playing the Blue Jackets as we speak at Little Caesars Arena. I believe they are currently down 5-3, to three, so who knows? They could win 100-99. Uh, to 99. We wouldn't know until this episode <laughs> after it comes out. So I guess, I mean, look, I, you know, I, I've talked about the Red Wings a little bit, and we've all kind of touched on them, and you know, they are what they are. Young team, they're exciting. And it's this constant back and forth between like where you feel about because you know, now sitting at, you know, they're, they're about 500, and they're not that many points out of a, of a wild card spot. So Collins begged the question today, and I think it's worth discussing. Would you rather see this team take an eight seed in the playoffs, or would you rather, I guess you can call it tank, and get a high draft pick? Collins said, would you rather have the eight seed or the number one pick? I'm going to go ahead and just impose in, in it as, would you rather make the playoffs as a 7-8 seed, or would you rather have a high draft pick in this next year's draft? Um, I, I think you definitely want a higher draft pick if it's not going to lead to a, a, a Stanley Cup. But, like, hockey is so weird. Like, if you make somehow find yourself in the playoffs, like, you're it's the only sport in major professional sports in America. If you make it, you have a chance to win it. And, and I know the last couple times the wins have made it, it hasn't felt like that. But if a team gets hot, it's possible. That's why I think the question's a little bit different in hockey compared to basketball. When you're in basketball and you're an eight seed, your head's just blown off immediately. You're <laughs> in four games and you're out. Like hockey, you can make some noise if you sneak into the wild card. But I, I would still lean towards maybe not w- looking at this season to win. Like I think they need another piece on that back end. And building through the draft, I think, is the only way to build it correctly. So I have a little bit more of an objective objective stance to this. I'd rather have the eight seed than than a high draft pick. And obviously, as a fan, you know we'd all short term we'd all love to see the wings in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Definitely, and, yeah. and and just I want to root for them and everything. But um, e- even if they have little to no chance of advancing, but even as like from an analytical standpoint, I'd rather get the eight seed. And the reason I say that is this: um, Detroit's a little funky in that the wings and the Tigers are historical franchises that aren't small markets, and that's thanks to Mr. Illich. But mm-hmm. they don't – it doesn't take – not saying the Lions and Pistons aren't historical, but they, they have a tough time, time getting stars to choose Detroit. Sure. Right? Like we look at Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, Matt Stafford, drafted by Detroit. Isaiah Thomas, Grant Hill, Andre Drummond, drafted. Blake Griffin, traded. Um, the Wings and Tigers are up at tier markets. I don't think 
the Wings need to rely solely on the draft to get more talent. So then, for just in my opinion, this team has plenty of youth. Larkin's 22, Bertuzzi's 23, Mantha's 24, Chalousie's 20. You have Zadina down. You know, so I, I going all the way down the line. I just think it's a young enough team. So I, I, in my opinion, why not get these guys some experience? Let them propel us into the next era of Wings hockey with 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 some playoff experience. That'd not be sweet. N- not saying they don't get experience, but it would be nice for them to get experience, maybe see a little bit of success, and then lose like fifteen in a row, and you get the number <laughs> one pick in the draft, and you got maybe another Rossman's Dowling on your team who could sure up that back end, which is old. Like old. Right. This is this yeah. is definitely one of those things where I don't I don't think either way is really a bad method. I just think you have a young team, so experience is just it, you can't get enough. Is all I'm saying. I'm always in the camp of, and I just think it's because I'm a I'm a fanboy, and I just I just love the teams here. But I you know in the the story of the the Red Wings the past couple of years has been the narrative of just. They make the playoffs as a seven eight seed and they get bounced immediately. Yeah. Who wants to see them watch lose the Lightning every single year? You know, I think the, the youth is great. I mean, watching this team, you know, Larkin's obviously your centerpiece right now. You have Mantha, Larkin. I mean, look, he's a very talented player. He's not your Connor McDavid. He's not a. I mean, he's a great, great player. I think of of young guys in the league. He probably doesn't get as much love as he should, but I wouldn't put him on that top tier. I think he's look. He's outside looking in. Mantha, he's he's a guy that's going to put goals in the net for you. Rasmussen, the same thing. Bertuzzi's a guy who, as the years go on, you're going to see him on the third, fourth line and just do what his uncle did. And just... Really good hands. Really good yeah, hands. You see him tipping a couple goals. Right, and that's why you know, I, I think there's a, definitely a place for him on this roster. Um, I, I know I'm forgetting guys, too. Like, like Athena CU, too. Chalowski. I hope a guy that stays. Chalowski on the back end. That's the thing. You look at the back end. That's that's where the problems come for me because you have Zadina in the AHL. You have Joe Valeno who's yeah. tearing up the queue right now. So it's going to be a matter of – who your who your defensive prospects are coming up in the ranks and in the AHL, I mean, Vili Sayarvi's a name, yeah. but you don't have guys that have really stood out like Chalowski has yeah. that's earned their spot in the NHL. I mean, there's a Libor Sulak guy I don't really yeah. care to see up here anymore. I mean, Joe Hicketts don't really yeah. care to see. And you look at, I mean, yeah, Cronwall, Daly, Erickson, like even the Kaiser to me is like a is a is a top six maybe yeah. maybe a seven D man, and the Wings use him as a top two, top four guy. So. In that respect, like, yeah, I think in the draft, I'd love to see the Wings get it. That's got to be your first. I mean, you know, I said it too, though, before the draft happened this year, is your first pick's got to be a defenseman no matter who it is. But Zadina falls in your lap, and it's like, what are you going to do? It's best player available. I feel like we say that every single year, and the Wings, like, refuse to draft a defenseman in the first round. Yeah, but, I mean. But, yeah, I get get it, best player available, whatever. But, like, looking at the Red Wings and looking at the NHL in general, I don't think, like, they can have the same success that they had. Like obviously with the salary cap that's been always talked about, oh, Ken Holland hasn't been able to put a good team together since the salary cap. But like you looked at it in the NHL, I think teams are developing more through the draft, like you've seen in the NFL more than they have in exactly. recent years. So I mean like you look at the Sabres, that's all draft picks. Mm-hmm. I mean you got like Eichel, Sam Reinhardt, and then you bring in guys like Connor Sherry mm-hmm. and Jeff Skinner to Make that team a contender. I think just building through the drafts is really important, and I don't think the wins necessarily have all the pieces to start bringing in guys that sure up this team. I, I feel like as time goes on, again, you have some names working in the AHL now that you know. I, I'm not exactly sure who the Wings feel 100 percent confident they're are going to make that jump as soon as next year. But the names I mentioned, you know, your Ericsson, your Dailies, they're even Green. You know, they're not going to be here long term. So they're old as dust, literally <laughs> old as dust. Right. So that's why you know I, I would definitely like to see 
the draft needs to focus more on developing defensemen to the extent of of not making the I think the Red Wings like need to make the playoffs and like just be that 8 seed 7 seed to stay relevant in this city and in the landscape in general but I I foresee the Red Wings because of the fact that they have put so much into the into the draft of recent years they they have draft picks they have young talent you know, I just think it, and it's the same thing with really any rebuilding. Give them a couple years, and you know they'll have the money and they'll have the means to go out and spend money on a young, on a younger, experienced, you know, top two, top four defenseman. Bring them in, and then they go full tilt into the into the playoffs and and make some noise. My question is now: is I look at the goaltending before we move into Pistons here? It just came to my mind. Look at goaltending, and Jimmy Howard's been holding that down pretty well. You know, everyone kind of has their own opinion about him. Of you know, do you trade him? You keep him here, whatever. Uh, he's 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 in his mid thirties, approaching that age, that age where you're like, you know, okay, is is it time to to, to hang him up for Jimmy? Because the conversation needs to happen. You have Jonathan Bernier as your backup, who's not necessarily a young. You know, he's not 22, 23 years old. So, I mean, are you confident with Jimmy Howard in that? Do you want to see him gone? How do you feel the Red Wings should approach their goaltending situation for the future, I guess I would say? I think he's still, I'm not 100% certain on his contract, but there's still a lot of money that the Wings still have to pay him. So I think it's going to be harder to get rid of him. And I don't know why they would get rid of him at this point. They don't have any like goalie prospects that are really exciting about. And Bernier, you've looked at him. This year, he hasn't been very good. That Capitals team, the Red Wings completely outplayed the Capitals, and they lost because Bernier was not that good in that. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, y- you're kind of stuck with Howard, and that's another – they need to go out and get another younger goalie because Howard, 34, in what this Red Wings rebuild is, if they want to be good in two or three years, he's not going to be the guy probably. Mm-hmm. Even though goaltenders tend to last longer than most guys in the NHL, but still, I don't see Jimmy Howard being playing at the caliber – that we were accustomed to maybe two or three years ago to like four years till now. So it's a little bit strange of a situation. I see it kind of like the Tigers. You guys remember when the catcher, there was no established catcher for about three years. By committee. Yeah. Alex Avila, Gerald Laird, Brian Pena. Yeah. uh, Was the holiday guy's name? Brian. Brian So it's kind of one of those deals where Jimmy Howard is getting older. You're at some point, especially with the youth and the core you have, you're going to need a younger goaltender at some point because you got to mm-hmm. you got to have attendee. So they're gonna. I in in my opinion, I would like to see them. I don't know if you draft a guy, but get get a younger guy in there because Bernie is not get bad. Goalie in free agency, I know yeah, what you're I, saying Bernie, and especially bringing him to the wings. Like like I said earlier, it's not it's not as hard. The wings aren't as free agency challenged as some of these other Detroit franchises. Mm-hmm. Then also, Bernie is not terrible. If you have to go with Bernier going forward, I don't think it's the worst thing ever. But he's also not super young, so yeah, I just like I'd like to see the Wings go get a younger goaltender. But overall, I think for the here and now, I think Jimmy Howard's a good locker room guy. Bernier's a good backup. It's just it is what it is. Taking a step back, I mean, you know, you have Mrazek and and Howard sharing the net last year, and I always hear these rumors about Mrazek's not happy. He wants that to himself, and I think the return you got for Mrazek when you traded him was 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 solid enough, and. You know, I, I'm never a guy that wants to keep people around that don't want to be here in Detroit. So if he was throwing a fit about the net not being his, and I don't really think that he deserved to have the net to be his own. So whatever. And Jared Coro comes up, and granted, he was great two years ago, not so great last year. I think it was kind of like his tryout, and I don't I believe he's not with the team anymore. So 
they have guys like Rybar. You know, I'm not really sure where uh, where I think Jake Patterson's his name. I'm not sure where he went. I don't think he's with the organization anymore. So I don't know. I, I'm not confident with their guys. The Red Wings have in the AHL. If they feel like those are the guys of the future, then I need to see them play in the NHL this yeah. year. And you, when you sign Bernier, that's why it was strange to me. I almost feel like I mean, this is kind of a hot take right now. Bernier has two years left on his deal because he was signed with a three-year contract. I could see Bernier being a trade piece. I yeah. mean, I, I would rather, I truly would rather, because it's not like... You got to get rid of one of them. Well, Bernier's not better than Jimmy Howard. No, he's not. no and, and as a guy that Howard's been here, and I think he kind of knows that Jimmy, I believe, if this is the, not the last year of his contract, the next year is... He'll, Jimmy's not worth the money he used to be. I think he knows that. So I'd rather keep Jimmy here and let him fume out and then, you know, get rid of Bernier because come playoff time, goalies are going to be hurt. There's going to be people on the, you know, looking for a backup goalie or even, hell, a starter because Bernier can, I mean, he started before. So I, I could see Bernier getting out of here, but def, definitely a, well, probably one of the strangest goaltending scenarios and foggiest futures uh, on that back end in the NHL, but... Uh, Red Wings take on the Blues at home on Wednesday. I think we're all talked out of Red Wings here. So we'll move into the Pistons. Since we last spoke on the Motown run on the Pistons, split with the Rockets and beat the Suns on Saturday, or Sunday, right? Yesterday, yeah. Sunday? Yeah. So a, a quarter of the season pretty much gone now. Um, I'll open up to you guys. I mean, what are your thoughts on far as far as where the team is at? I think you're pretty pleased what Dwayne Casey has put into place and some of the progression you've seen out of the young guys. Like, I didn't expect Bruce Brown to contribute at all this year. Mm-hmm. And he's been a major yeah, it contributor. It has been a nice surprise. Yeah, like, he comes in and he guards Harden and he contributes. He is, you can see why he was projected to be a first-round pick. Because what he brings on the defensive end is something any team can use. And it's just nice to see, as if you're watching the Pistons, and if you're a Pistons fan, for young guys to actually contribute that are not in first-round picks. I don't think you ever saw that with Stan Van, with a second-round guy who was able to come immediately and look like they're going to be an NBA player for five or six years. And I think Stanley is taking a huge step, and he looks more confident. And that, I think that was all what he needed. He just needed confidence for him to strive in his role. And since they've put him on the bench, he's been really good. So, I mean, they're looking. me and Trent were talking about this earlier. I mean, I think they are going to be kicking themselves a little bit, not picking up a couple wins against the Hornets, the Nets, right. and the Heat because they got a really tough stretch coming up. Especially if those are the teams they're competing with down the stretch. Yes. Exactly. It looks a little fuzzy right now. But. Yeah, I mean, these Nets 10 games are going to be tough for them as they go play Milwaukee, the Sixers, the Warriors. So it's going to be tough for them to squeak out wins. But I think you're just going to see this team hover around 500 all year. And at, at some point of the year, they'll just be able to get out of that and maybe get five or six games over and be the sixth seed in the East. So... I agree with almost everything you said. I, and Bruce Brown, he's he's playing 15 minutes a game. This is yeah, it, it, it's pretty good for a second round pick. Uh, what he's been doing, he's solidified a spot in the rotation. Uh, he does need to improve his shot a little bit, but I like his defense. Clutch steal against Harden in Friday's victory. That was good to see. And and Stanley Johnson, I think this is the best Stanley we've seen. Um, I do think he still has more. Like you said, I, th- yeah. I think he's he definitely his three point shot looks a lot better than it has been. He, he has made strides in almost every part of his game, and I, I I like what Casey's using him for. You know, he he brings him, he he lets him bring up the ball, take it coast to coast on rebounds. He's like he's averaging nine points four rebounds. That's not flattering, but it shooting forty percent compared to thirty seven percent, and yeah. and the eye test just tells you this is this is, this is Stanley Johnson playing for Dwayne Casey is better than any version of Stanley Johnson that we got in Stan Van Gundy's doghouse. So yeah, th- and then and then also I just want to talk about Blake and Andre real quick. 
Um, Blake has established himself at this point for this. He's an elite offensive force, not not yeah. only with the scoring, but as a facilitator. He had 11 assists against the Rockets, mm-hmm. um, or against the Suns, excuse me. But 37 and 28 in those two games against the Rockets. He's up there with, I mean, obviously not on that level, but LeBron, KD, Giannis, Kawhi, in terms of point-forward production, getting your teammates involved and, and facilitating. And, and Andre, I've said it 100 times in the show, I'll continue to do so. Don't take it for granted, Pistons fans, because we're watching the best rebounder of this generation. Um, he's got 27, 20, 20 games since 2013 and 14 seasons. So, like, let that sink in for a second. He has mm-hmm. six already this season, and we've played 17 games. And he was one rebound shy of a seventh. So, he, he he's just he has 16 double doubles in 17 games this year. The one shortcoming was against the Sixers during that brutal loss when he played 21 minutes due to foul trouble, and he's averaging 34 minutes per game this year just for for a benchmark there. Um, career highs right now in points and rebounds at 19 and a half and 16 uh, offensive board six six per game he, he's he's just he's playing great and I love this that this guy has taken initiative he's worked on his weaknesses well he he just wants to win he's bought in and I love what what Andre's doing this Blake year. and Andre have surprisingly played very well together I mm-hmm. know I know Blake played with DeAndre Jordan and Los Angeles and they fit together but I think Andre's a little bit different than um, DeAndre Jordan, he likes to have the ball a little bit more, and his offensive game is a little bit more stilled. And Andre has like made strides offensively. Like he's starting to get that little ten, eight foot, ten foot baby hook. And if he can get that, he'll become a dominant force. But like you've seen, his effort has been a lot better than it has in previous years. I'm not saying it won't lack because he tends to take games off. And if he continues not to take games off, I mean, I just see this team being better than the lower patch of the East and getting into a situation where they're going to have an opportunity to win a playoff series. Yeah, you know, I'm as far as the the stretch so far as a whole, I, I'm I'm pretty pleased with where they're at. I think the play on the floor is, you know, I, that's what I look at more than the record. It's been it's been solid. There's there's so many contributions. Like Langston Galloway comes out of nowhere, and you know he's a great guy you can bring in off the bench. You know, and like you guys mentioned already, the losses to like the Hornets and in, in, in Miami. Those are things to me that separates like a good, I guess, I don't want to say good from great, but you know, a team that's going to do damage and that's that's a, f- a force in the league. You know, the Pistons shouldn't be losing games like that. And I think down the stretch, you have to keep in mind too, they got a new coach. They're you know a handful of games in, so I'm sure that comes with time of of, of firing on on all cylinders efficiently. But I mean, the, the play's been solid, and I just think my biggest thing is contributions elsewhere. Um, as the season goes on, I expect this team, as we've said, to develop and, and be a four or five seed. And I see them, you know, granted they split with the Rockets, but to hang in with a team like that and, you know, the way they played the Sixers, and at least in, in one of the games they played the Sixers, um, it's it's nice to see because the it, it, for me, again, it's all about competing and your, and your level of, of, you know, urgency and intensity, and they bring that. And I think that the granted, again, the record's like not flashy, but this is a team that, Pistons fans and you know fans of Detroit sports like this this team you know knock on wood they're going to make the playoffs they should yeah and yeah. and it's it's a fun t- it, it's not like it's sloppy basketball and they're going to scrape their way into the playoffs I think as the year goes on you know they'll they'll be a force in the East and, and they're going to get more national attention and it's been it's been fun to watch so far I think they have the most appeal out of any of the teams in Detroit right now I mean like they might not be the best team or like. I think the anticipation have, is there. No, they like they actually have stars you can watch. Yeah, yeah, right. Compared to the wins, who maybe those guys are not there yet, and 
I think with the Pistons, you actually have like guys like Blake and Andre. They make it fun to watch. But it, the one thing they're gonna have to do if they want to win more games, they got to pick up their three point shooting. They've been terrible this year. Yeah. Other than Reggie Bullock, I don't really see a guy. Ish Smith's really picked it up. Also, to mention that really changed his game, been able to shoot the three a lot better. But they do as a team collectively, they need to shoot the three better if they want to compete. Um, I want to get your guys' opinion on this too. But I, I, when we look at the the landscape of the Eastern Conference right now. I, in my opinion, I think the Raptors are gonna they're gonna get that one seed. They're really they, good. They should. Kawhi Leonard has taken them to heights yeah, that DeRozan also, couldn't. They're also the most complete team. Too. Yeah, they, for sure. they can guard anyone. Yeah. They're win defending with OG Ananobi and Kawhi Leonard's a joke. You can put any you can put <laughs> yeah. those two guys next anyone, and they're not gonna, you're not going to score on them. I, I don't love them in the playoffs simply because Kyle Lowry tends to disappear, and then it's the Kawhi show, and you know his years in San Antonio, and it was just him. I. But that that's a conversation for another day. But the Bucks, though I'm skeptical of any team that relies too heavily on one player, like last year's Cavaliers with LeBron and mm-hmm. Kevin Garnett's Timberwolves runs and Russell Westbrook post KD pre Paul George, like the it's, I I think the Bucks will win a lot of games. I don't know if they're necessarily a threat to come out of the East. Philly's addition to Jimmy Butler solidified a top four seed for them, probably top three. And I'm rooting like hell against them, but I think the Celtics will get their craft together and end up with a top four. So I just want to know for you guys. So so if I slate those out, I got the Pistons at five. Maybe sneaking in at four. I don't know if the Celtics don't get it together. They got to make some trades. The Celtics end up with a five. But in my opinion, I think the Pistons will be the five seed playing, you know, who knows, maybe the Bucks at the four in the first round. But I also, I definitely think, we talked about this at the beginning of the year. Um, the the Vegas line of thirty seven wins. It looked it definitely looks like they're going to get past yeah. that at this point. But I, I just want to get your guys' opinion on. Do you think the ceiling has risen or fallen for the Pistons? I would. I always talk about them making the six seed. I do think four or five or five and five. It's going to be five and six. And I think Indiana and Boston are probably more talented than them. You got Indiana with Victor Oladipo. Sabonis has been really really good this year for them and. You, I just think they might have a little bit more talent, and that will generally benefit them as the season goes on. And I, th- the Celtics have to figure it out. They have way too much talent. Yeah, I mean, great coach too. Yeah, I mean, they're offensively they look awful, and I think they'll eventually figure it out. And I, you looked at it, I think five or six is still the ceiling. I wouldn't go a little bit past it, but I, I don't think they're any worse than Indiana. I think they could play a competitive series against all four teams and up of, ahead of them. So that is something I did not expect for them to compete maybe in a series with the top three teams in the East. That, that, yeah, that point there is why I don't think the ceiling – there's no grounds for me to say the ceiling's lowered. It, it's a matter of, you know, I, I think really the Pistons control their own destiny. They're not a team like, like Miami or Charlotte where, like, you know, they are what they are, they're eh, and then – it's a matter of you know what what other teams do based on where they fall. If, if the Pistons want to get together and play, they have the pieces to play for sure. real team basketball and and be a you know four or five seed. But if they're gonna take the foot off the gas and, and, and be the Pistons of last year, you know then they'll they'll be just like I like I said with a, with a team like Charlotte or a team like you know Miami teams that you know have to like hope that other crap happens around them to to be relevant. But yeah, I mean, again, you know it's it's. Uh, Fun team to watch, and to Collins' point about probably being the most exciting team in Detroit, it's a matter of, you know, like you, they feel more professional than in years yeah. past. You know, like you have to hear all the all the crap off the court with Stan Van Gundy and his, his crap with the media. Now they feel like a legit, like, you know, they'll never be the going-to-work Pistons, but when you got guys like big, just strong, 
you know, brutes of guys like Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. Like that, that's something that people can get excited about. That that's a facet of the team that I love. You know, it makes me feel like they're like the going to work Pistons almost. There's one last point that I want to make going off of what you just said. I that that Rockets win was extremely impressive to me, and I think the reason being is that I know the Rockets sputtered out of the gate, but that that that's a good team. That's the MVP last year. That's a good team. Yeah. You know, they they, it is, they, they got rid of Melo. Despite their record too. They're a yeah, good yeah. team. They got rid of Melo and they they figured it out and they they're looking like they did last year, but you mm-hmm. go on the road and you lose like you lose by two, and then you take them at home and you win in overtime. That's what good teams do. You make adjustments, you play, you 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 make the make the pro- and uh, to me that's just a testament to coach Casey yep. and the new culture he's brought into this into this locker room. I, I don't think Sam Van Gundy ever really came close to that. Mm-hmm. No disrespect. I just think it was time to move on, and and the new culture Casey's brought. It's it's really like you said, more professional. Guys want to play for this guy. It's just it is fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I think the most exciting thing about the Pistons too is who's Blake Griffin going to bring in the game. Like I, I I'm, <laughs> I'm a avid Kardashian guy. Yeah. I love watching that show. Fantastic show. If he like shows up at Kendall Jenner, I'm tuning in. Like what? How did he? Like <laughs> I just think it's funny that there's like a Piston who. Like has to deal with paparazzi, and I kind of love it. It's kind of funny, but I don't know why I said that. But well, I you can it. you can check out who Blake brings to the game tomorrow. The Pistons take on the Knicks at home on Tuesday. Incredible segue. Thank you. What I a appreciate pro. that. Now with that, to continue on the on the segue train here, time to talk Lions. It's, it's truly like you know, good or bad. Talking Lions is like my favorite thing to do. That's why you know I love the Motown rundown. I love you guys. I love the fans. I love all of it. You know, what if we have any fans? But. It's you know, talking all of our moms. Yes, good. All of the moms are tuned in, I'm sure. But That's talking the big three right there. Yeah, talking talking lions is is fun, good, bad, ugly, whatever. But I see it kind of as a therapy session. Almost. It is. Well, it, and like if you it's just, if you don't talk uh, about the lie, if you don't get it off your chest, you just sit there and you just like you rot. Stew. You know? It exactly. stews. Yeah, and that, that's why it sucks when you play on Thursday because we gotta wait a couple exactly. extra days. And that's why you know I was saying before the show when we're, I'm like, we're, we're prepping out notes, I'm like I don't even remember what happened in the game. Like so much has happened. Like it's been a great weekend of sports in general. Like, a lot of sports to watch, but. On Thanksgiving Day, Lions fall to the Bears 23-16. to Some quick stats for you. Matthew Stafford, 28 for 38 through the air, 236 yards and two interceptions. LeGarrette Blunt, he's the feature back as carry-on. Johnson did not play. 19 carries, 88 yards and two touchdowns. Kenny Colladay led the receiving core, five grabs for 90 yards. Uh, before we go into game thoughts, Marvin Jones today placed on the injured reserve list, meaning he will not return to action this season. Um, I guess, you know, just very simply, you know, is that, is that a crushing blow to the Lions, you would say? Um, I mean, they don't have any other receivers, so it does hurt, but I, I think the season's basically over, not trying to dip into what I'm going to say later, but <laughs> I really, I know like Marvin Jones is a really good player and he's been really good for the Lions, been a really good pickup. But at this point of the season, I don't think it really matters if he's healthy or not. You're not going to hear a whole lot of me preaching today, just because it it does. It is looking bad at the sky. You know, <laughs> the, the the heavens are closing up a little bit. Yeah. Um, but just as that fan who's always optimistic and trying to look, trying to hope, you know, we could yeah. win out. We could go nine and seven. Mm-hmm. I would have waited for the Lions. I would have waited for this Rams game because if the Lions win this Rams game, every other game on the schedule is winnable. So. I know, I know, but it, I'm just saying, if you win the Rams game, 
then it's a little but we're not we'll talk about that later i it it does seem like a crushing blow and the last nail in the coffin for the lions but we'll, we'll just have to wait and see till this sunday because until they're out right. of it they're not they're not out of it yeah and it's not no, it's, they're out of it <laughs> I, I i agree with you for all intents and purposes <laughs> the lions are done but i i just i would have liked to see them wait until it was done yeah to, to put marvin jones on having IR. i don't think he can play so i mean right I, if, he I, if, if, if he could play i think he would be playing right and you know marvin jones to me um he's not someone who i think is like a game changer i think he's a great commodity to have at a wide receiver too i mean you don't have tate anymore kenny galladay is your wide receiver one for me by far so you know i've always said you know marvin jones ain't really a number one receiver in any other team and like he's kind of in the discussion for being the Lions' number one guy, you know, it, it, he's not a guy like Car- like if Carry On was in the same situation, I'd be like yeah, shut him down, you know, like like Michael Fulmer, shut the guy down. I don't want to see him get hurt, but it, it hurts in a sense of just another another weapon that you don't have on the field, another another reason, you know, more fuel of the fire to throw at Stafford because he's you know doesn't have anyone to throw it to, and people will use it against him. But whatever. Anyway, Marvin Jones, get well soon, or because the Lions definitely need you, but. Anyway, just going back to that game against the Bears, and again, it happened on Thursday. So the the, the fire for me, I, I was hot on Thursday. I mean, Oof, I sizzling. because I said like you know, I it, it just I had that weird like out of control moment on you know last Monday where I was like, the Lions beat the Bears, you know, they can give a game to the Rams and they go and win out, and like I was I was all in, and and to answer the. The question that I'm sure we'll get into later about is the season. Actually, I'll save that. I don't even want to get into it right now, but. I was just mad because, you know what, maybe not mad, <laughs> I was just disappointed. The cliche line, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Felt a little let down. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, in, you know, I don't I don't have a ton of screaming to do today until we get into the Stafford stuff because a lot of what I saw on social media and read, in the, read you know, all over the internet really bothered me about Stafford, and I just think it's just ignorance now at that point, and, and people don't have anything to talk about anymore besides Stafford, but... In that Bears game, I mean, Chase Daniel looked like John Elway. And I have said it against, like, uh, Trubisky, too. I said the same thing for Trubisky. Like, Chase Daniel looked phenomenal. And my, my biggest thing is coming into the game, like, how how do you not get – let me let me back up a bit, too. I want, I want to go – I want to, like, really fuel this up because it, it, it's unacceptable to me. The Bears played Sunday night against Minnesota, right? Minnesota. They, you know, whatever, they travel back to Chicago Sunday night or Monday morning. You know, teams don't practice Monday, especially not after wins. And, you know, Tuesday comes around, you're hearing rumblings that Trubisky might not play. Maybe by late Tuesday, Wednesday, you're like, okay, Chase Daniel's the guy. Chase Daniel, to my knowledge, did not take a snap in full pads. It was all walkthrough stuff. So the, the Bears had a day or two, maybe, to really game plan with Chase Daniel. So the Lions should be licking their chops. That's why I come into the game like, all right, like let's go. You know, make a statement win on national TV. But we got a ring in here? What's going on? The phone's going on? Uh, your phone's going off. My phone's going on. That's it's incredible. That's the, whatever. That's that's up, the, uh, the Facebook Live. I, I'm, I'm glad I'm getting, uh, yeah. getting some love here. Anyway, whatever. I hope that that goes away soon. Anyway, <laughs> whatever. I'm, I'm so scrambled now. Anyway, you, you look at that game with with Chase Daniel, and and I, I'm I'm like licking my chops as to like this is going to be a game where the Lions can can make a statement here and and do some damage, and and for whatever reason, they you know my my thought is just like 
Go get pressure on this guy. And I, I said this after the first Bears game and before this one. I cannot watch another game of receivers catching balls with nobody around. Like the, the Lions never really made an effort to get pressure on, on Chase Daniel, who hasn't played a game since before I was potty trained. And you know Don't remember those Missouri days, man? No, I don't. I couldn't have Legend. told you where Chase Daniel went to went Legend. to college. Couldn't tell you how old he was. I'd never heard of him, honestly. God. Couldn't tell you the last time he played in the game. So my, my, the thought process being was like go get pressure on him. Make him uncomfortable. Make this dude I mean, it's Thanksgiving. Like I got to imagine, there's some kind, there's some jitters, you know, maybe some some pregame, you know, some, some bathroom trips pregame, <laughs> and the Lions never really did that. And because you refused Paul Ravioli on defense to to send to send the house and to make him uncomfortable, you allowed for him to sit in the pocket and make throws to open receivers, which comes back to your defensive game plan, and, and like we're like. Any three of us could have made those throws. Honestly, we could have, you know, with that much time in the pocket and guys being open, that's why Chase Daniel looks so great. And, and when you allow a guy like that to be comfortable and get confidence, you're screwed. I didn't, you know, whoever it was, it could have been Nathan Peterman. Maybe that's an over-exaggeration, but, I mean, you know, credit to Chase Daniel. He played well. It was a, it was a good enough performance, but... The, the Bears' offense is, like to me, exactly what the Lions need to do. And Tony Romo brought this up on, on the broadcast. Offenses in the NFL these days, it's about motion. It's movement. It's play action, audibles, creativity. You know, sending, like I said like last week, sending a, a sketchy formation up to the line, and then you switch it. And, and the Lions do none of that. Like the Lions' offense, uh, again... It's just slow. It's unproductive. Like I, I like the game plan in a sense of, you know, they, they had to use the quick pass for Stafford because he would have gotten killed. I mean, that defense is solid up front. Their front seven's pretty – you got Khalil Mack, too. It really wasn't a big factor. But, you know, you, Stafford in these games, you can't afford to let him drop back five, seven steps and, and sit there because, one, I have, I have a great stat I want to bring up, you know, later on when we talk about Matthew Stafford – but you know, there's that was that had to be the game plan, and it it, it didn't really work. I mean, you know, Garrett Blunt was slow to start off, and it it, it was just so it was kind of like watching Michigan State. You know, they get the ball back on offense, and you're just like, there's no way they're there's get nothing in the end compared zone. to Michigan State's offense. So that was tough. That's that's that a is tough. Tough sure. comparison, but it's just you know, I and then like the some of the coaching decisions too. Like I don't understand the going for two. I don't know why teams do this now. I'm like you got to hear like. Oh yeah, analytics. Analytics. Hey, we got a fifty percent. Like, dude, get out of here with that stuff. You know, just play the game. Um, you know, and then like again, like not going for it on like fourth and one from the one was like after you do it when you're, you know, you have worse field position, like that kind of stuff. It just, I, it's another, it's another example of the Lions, in my opinion, not being prepared to play their opponent. And you can point the finger at Matt Patricia on that. But I really just think he does not have a good offensive coordinator. He does not have a good defensive coordinator. I'm sold. Jim Bob Cooter won't be here next year. I I have a hard time believing that he will. It's not a situation like Michigan State where you're you're praying that D'Antonio finds someone else to go to church with on Sunday and can fire Dave Warner. (sighs) I don't see Jim Bob Cooter being here on 
uh, what on or next year. I don't see Paul Pascaloni being here next year. It just you know I eh. I guess you know that's the guy who I'm, I guess I'm kind of up in the air with. He shouldn't be here next year. He's 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 really not good at, at what he does. But you know it just comes down to two. You know Matthew Stafford wasn't tremendous. He made throws that he had to make. Um, I'll, I I want to save my stuff for Stafford later. But it, everyone after this game was pointing the finger. The first pick was bad. You know, but that's again it just. That's a play everyone's seen a hundred times. Eddie from the Jackson Lions. said that. He said every time Roberts throws out, he goes out in that same exact yes, route. Yes, and so like, dude, like that point, and I almost I want to save it for later, but that point right there. Why? Why don't we just get into it now? You're teasing it too much. No, well, I want to hear what you guys have to say about the game because my Stafford thing is completely separate. But but to that point, I, I'll say it while it's on the table. The fact that the defender came out and said. You know, I've seen that play before. When yeah. Roberts goes up this way, that just, dude, like that's so on your and granted. Stafford's got to make a better read. That's so on it's your on offensive Jim coordinator. Hundred percent. So on your that's offensive coordinator. On Jim the second, dude, come on. I All mean, right. like to an extent. No, 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 no. Extent, Him knowing extent. the play, it is. But Stafford making that throw is not on Jim Bob. But it, I, it's just a, it's just a turn and throw. You know, it's a turn. Yes. And throw. Eddie Jackson to jumped an the route and to his, he's a. Oh, but oh, but okay. the second Could pick, the him. second pick, I think that's on Michael Roberts. He stopped running. He got kind of held up weird at the line. But he stopped running. He like spaced out and like he was like like smoking weed or something. Like <laughs> he was just not with the play. And I'm like, dude, you're six four, six five. I'm pretty sure Will Fuller was on him. He's like five nine. Like that ball's going to the back corner, right. dude. It's a jump ball to the back. Yeah. You gotta know better. Kenny Galladay, catch a ball, please. Like I hate the rag on him, but like he dropped the ball that yeah, killed Stafford. Robert tripping over his own feet, hitting the ball, hitting him in the head, like the bad news bears. Just the, a game that the Lions just straight up blew. They blew it, and it was a game. Again, I sit here and say they go beat the Bears. It's a great divisional win. It does some damage in the conference, or the division standings. You, you can lose to the Rams, and you win out, and it's a great Cinderella story. We're all dancing in the street on Woodward, and. It didn't happen, and now we're outside looking in, and you know I I, I want to still get to Stafford. I want to get to what does this mean for the rest of the season. I want to get to the Rams, but whatever you guys have to say for that Bears game, let me hear it. Uh, I'm just gonna say that it's officially the mark to the end of the season. I think it's I think all hope is lost. I think you, there's a there could have been an argument made if they won this game and that the Rams team, if they were somehow able to pull off the upset, that they were in the driver's seat to make the wild card. But, I mean, <laughs> this, the, it, it was SOL. I hate, I, it's so cheesy, oh, and it, it, it was God. same old Lions. They wore those uniforms that are the <laughs> coolest throwbacks ever, but they never went in them. I, sabermetric of the day, I was bored today, and <laughs> some journalism class I was taking, I don't even know which one, but I looked up how many times the Lions have won in those uniforms. The first time they won with Barry in the Dre Bly game, which I don't even remember, I was like two. So they've won twice in the coolest like, throwbacks ever. But side point, I it was the most Lions team ever. They were out-prepared. They looked like... The thing that really... Bud, like, how do you let a guy like Chase Daniel... The guy threw 63 passes going into Sun. I mean, on Thursday... And you make him look comfortable. You make a, him comfortable. He threw a second career touchdown pass against the Lions. Like, I, ever. Like, I get, like, him being able... It was Matt Flynn all over again. It was just stuff like that. How do you not make a backup like that uncomfortable? Like, it's... Uh, I like, agree. Y- it's incredible to me. And that started to be on the defense of, 
like coordinator like old man rivers that bum but I, I i think it just all goes back to patricia i mean i don't know how you employ two poor of coordinators they have like you keep jim bob who obviously looks like his scheme is worn up and everyone in the nfl seems to know what the lions are doing like every single person like the scheme's broken get rid of them like jim bob might have been a good quarterback coach but he he obviously can't handle being an offensive coordinator in the NFL because he's not being able to adapt. And Old Man Rivers is not qualified to be an NFL defensive coordinator. The guy was a D-line coach at like a 5-7 and seven BC team. So cut me a break on that. But I, 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 I'm going to hold my thoughts on my main takeaway of the game, which is about Stafford, okay, until, until we get Trent to talk about what he thought he saw from the game. But it was just the same Lions team. No separation from the wide receivers. They they should have been up at least two touchdowns before the end of the game, and they just don't seize opportunities like most NFL teams do. Um, all right, I'm going to really get on my soapbox. Ryder Rabinowitz special. I'm going <laughs> down the line there. like I did last week. And my initial thoughts, just this was about as emotionally defeating and, and heartbreaking of a loss as I can remember because uh, – I, I, okay, I do think it's extremely important to acknowledge the Lions were without their number one back and without their number one or two receiver, but playing a backup quarterback ba- who yeah. hasn't started a game since 2014 in a must-win game at home, the Lions had no no business losing this game. Mm-hmm. And um, On a short week where the Bears played Sunday night. It was, it, exactly. was the, it was the shortest week in NFL history because it was Sunday night and then the 12-30 Thanksgiving mm-hmm. game. It was the shortest week in NFL history. But Stafford... Uh, we'll we'll get into this later, so I'll save my stuff too, but not the reason for the loss, nor this season's disappointment. Jim Bob Cooter, you are the number one reason, and you are a failure, and I will get to you later. I'm, and uh, I hate you, and you're stupid, you, you and you're just, ugly. You just suck. <laughs> you stink. Uh, I, won't, I shouldn't say wow, you suck. That's, that's, not, that's not nice. <laughs> you stink. Uh, offensive line played pretty well, actually. Allowed two sacks. Khalil Mack did nothing. Only had one tackle. I don't understand how this stuff happens. The offensive line played well enough to win. Um... So so if I if I take a step back here and look at it in a macro sense, this group has shown me, despite a very small sample size of two or three games now, that they can gel together and 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 build some chemistry. So I think Frank Ragnow, Taylor Decker, Graham Glasgow, those guys are young. Those are guys you need to keep around because they can build it going forward. But Wagner is a veteran who has a few more solid years left in the tank if he wants to work hard, and we're paying him nine and a half million a year, so I, mm-hmm. he better get his crap together. Um and, and Kenny Wiggins Hasn't played horribly. I do think we need a new guard, uh, especially since I believe TJ Lang is done. But maybe that's what we do in the first round in the draft this spring. Oh, I don't know. My God, please don't draft another offensive line. I, I just we we need it though, bro. Like ugh, it's just it's frustrating. Uh, offensive uh, skill players. I'll give those guys a pass. Don't want to talk about it too much. This is a beat up team. Any team that's missing their number one back and receiver is going to struggle. I, I just want to. This is just for fun. Imagine Aaron Rodgers without Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. Especially this year. Imagine Big Ben without Antonio Brown and James Conner. Mm-hmm. Those are that's tough. That's tough. So just on a surface level, it, it, I know there's the whole thing about Chase Daniel, but the skill players, I'll, I'll give them a pass. They, uh, Legarrette Blunt ran his ass off, 88 yards, 19 carries for a power back. That's pretty good. He he. There was no one else got more than two carries. Um, and. The one guy who I'm not giving a pass to is Michael Roberts. And this is ironic because 
uh, all season long, I've been campaigning for this guy to get more snaps, get more <laughs> catches, and then one hits off his face. Does he dirty like that? That's what the Lions do, man. He did. He did be dirty because he, literally one went through his hands right off his face mask, and then he's the reason for the second interception. So uh, it's it's just it's tough. Uh, that that's the lone player to blame in my in my estimation. Jim Bob Cooter later, <laughs> but Michael Roberts, Jim Bob Cooter, hmm. uh, defense don't want to waste too much time on these guys. Uh, they they. I pl- thought they played well enough to win, forced a turnover. Jared Davis played great. He's getting better by the snap. Snacks Harrison's our best lineman. We've just got to work on that secondary. Bobby Quinn, if you're if you're if you're listening, if you're if you're going guard in the draft, it, that, that's cool. If you're not, please draft a corner. Please. Yeah, like they I, need I'm, one. I'm begging you. So now Jim Bob Cooter, I cannot stress this enough. He is the single biggest reason for this season's disappointment. And I, there's just so just bear with me for a second here. He's not Patricia's guy. That's pretty clear. Maybe mm-hmm. you can put that on Patricia for keeping him. But as I said a couple of weeks ago, um, I, I just I can't blame a, I can't blame a guy who took over the head coaching job for a team with a top eight quarterback and Matt Stafford who wanted to keep continuity and keep his guy at offensive coordinator. I I understand that. That's not insanity to me. Plus, let let's not forget that before this season, Jim Bob Cooter was not bad. Last year, not not bad. Maybe not great. Not horrible. This mm. year, horrible. So that that that's tough. Year to year continuity and chemistry is huge in the NFL. However, there's there's such a right and such a wrong way to do it. And clearly this has proven to be the wrong way. Jim Bob needs to go. We need to bring in a fresh offensive mind who will get creative. You guys repeatedly say this and and I agree, week in and week out. There is zero creativity on this offense and in this playbook. In fact, I don't think Jim Bob has changed this offensive scheme once. In the two and a half years he's been, he's had this job. It's the same crap over and over and over again until you want to bang your head through the wall. Like, stop throwing short of the sticks on third down. Thank you. The great offenses do not do that. Stop abandoning the run after one or two runs for no gain. That was more so in weeks past because he did stick with it on Thanksgiving, which whatever. But you. A run game is you got to establish that, okay? If you didn't learn that against the Panthers and the Dolphins, I don't know what you're doing going forward. So just stop refusing to target Kenny Galladay in the end zone. Granted, he did have one drop, but throw him the ball. He's six five. Just exactly. do these things. And, yeah. and Collins, you'd probably put that more on Stafford, but I just the scheme. And Ryan, I know you got stuff in your bag about the scheme later, but the scheme is so bad, you guys. It's just and it just if we're just looking at yesterday too, everything. Jim Bob Cooter, you guys, he's trying to reinvent the wheel, and you, you just don't have to. Everything, it's just clearly unnecessary. Everything you'd expect on that Thanksgiving Day game was the opposite. You, you, I, I just, you're trying to outthink the opponent Getting by outthinking up. yourself. I don't know if he's trying to go for some reverse psychology bullcrap. <laughs> like, he's trying to outthink the opponent by outthinking himself, and it's not <laughs> working. Third and one, why are we passing? Yeah, like Garrett Blunt's on your team it's, for one reason and one reason only. Yes, exactly. Let Nick Ballora go blow somebody up, and Garrett gets you the one. Y- Good luck tackling that guy when you need one yard. Mm-hmm. Uh, third, third and three. It's Ryan's and my favorite play. You throw it short of the sticks <laughs> to Theo Riddick. What are you doing? That's so predictable. Right. Every defense in the NFL knows what you're doing. You get. You, I don't even. I can't. I can't. You guys, this is just ridiculous. You get the turnover. It, actually, I don't even know if it was off the turnover. Whatever the Lions, the 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 first interception, to Eddie Jackson. Yes. Okay, that's a chance to seize momentum on the Lions side. One play, and they they throw the stupid. 
What what even is that play call? That's what I don't understand. What are you doing? Also, it's, how you how you don't like just naturally tell your receiver find the sticks and get beyond it? Right. Is, I just bad. I just don't get it. And he's not doing that because we haven't seen it once all year. Is all I'm mm-hmm. saying. You guys, the point is these things just don't work, and I get frustrated because the average Joe and the average casual fan, like the guy wearing the 2012 Lions shirt who sits in front of me at Ford Field. <laughs> Can see these things. Yes, these people can see these things. It it's just time for a new offensive coordinator. It's really that simple. Because Stafford critics, I totally hear you. We'll talk about this next. A hundred percent. I hear you loud and clear. Mm-hmm. I know he's made mistakes this season. I know we are allowed to expect more. I know all that. You're not telling me anything I don't know. I just don't want to hear any more Stafford bashing until he gets a new creative offensive mind with the headset on who has more than three plays in the back of an Olive Garden menu like Ryan says. Yes. The quarterbacks <laughs> with the best numbers right now, your Goffs, your Breeze, your Mahomes, hell, Trubisky. These guys with the gaudy numbers right now are playing in creative offenses that, with the exception of Breeze, make them look multiple times better than they are. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. And, and this whole point of playing, the whole point of playing in a creative offensive scheme is to take pressure off the quarterback. And Stafford's playing with 100% of the pressure, 100% of the snaps, 100% of the weeks. And it's ridiculous. So this offseason, I'll close with this. Bob Quinn, do what you need to do. I don't know a single Lions fan who wants Jim Bob Cooter here next year. I don't know a single person that's crazy enough to say, Jim Bob, come back. Put the headset on. He stinks. It's just time to move on, you guys. He's awful, and I say that with all due respect because he wasn't he wasn't horrible for all three years here. It's just this year, and and I know Stafford likes him, but I think he even knows it's time to move on. And and maybe I'm an idiot for asking this question, but do you think maybe they'll keep him around as the quarterbacks coach and just let someone else put? No, he'll be gone. You think so? Yeah. I, and I I can't complain if he is, but I'm I'm just yeah. saying whatever you got to do, Bob, do it because he is the issue. He's the reason for your, your your disappointing season. That's all I gotta say. Okay. We'll get we'll get Trent some water. Trent got I love I like when Trent gets fired up. He's gonna get more fired up once you start talking about Stafford. Yes. I gotta I gotta I'm talk. locked and loaded for that though, I will tell you. I gotta talk okay. to the Facebook Live real quick. My phone is dying right now. So the Facebook Live people, I apologize if this thing dies out. But I will tell you if you don't get to see it on the Facebook Live this is a this is like weird what I'm doing right now, but I have to do it. <laughs> you need to listen to this part of the podcast because I need I want everyone to be on the same page here. I think I'm going to change some minds with what I have to say today about Stafford. So no way. Sorry, Facebook Live. Anyway, here we go. I threw some polls out on Twitter. I, I'm going to start off with this using the hashtag Motown Rundown. I preach it all the time. The first question I asked to the public. Where does Matthew Stafford rank on the list of problems with the Detroit Lions? And again, I always say feel free to. Throw some comments in. 65 votes. Not bad. I threw it out uh, like at 415 today, probably a little bit later than I should have. 65 votes. 11% said he was the number one problem. 32% said he was a significant problem. 38% was the winner with a minor problem. 19% not a problem at all. The other the other poll that I want to read that I also threw out here, and we got some great feedback on this one. I always appreciate it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give some shout-outs here. What is the biggest problem area for the Detroit Lions? 33% said Matthew Stafford. 36% said the offense as a, as a whole. 8% said defense. 23% said coaching. That was 86 votes. So some comments here I want to read. Ryan Cole, our sports director, said, Can I add situational football? I feel like every time the franchise has a big moment, whether it is a, a, as big as a must-win game or as small as a big third down, they flounder. 
That's the curse they can't seem to shake. Now, I have Tyler Perpich, Nick Terwilliger, Rami Hodge. I appreciate you guys pitching in here, saying it was the ownership, which I did not include in the poll. So the Ford family, the not ownership. That. Rami Rami Hodge also adding in. Uh, it was it was pretty funny the way he put it as far as, you know, the Fords are losers, and it's it's hard to win when you're a loser. That, <laughs> along along the lines, they've they've seemed to take the foot off the gas with with how much they care about the team. Uh, they don't seem to be as involved. I definitely hear that point. And then Steve Johnson tweeting in more depth in the secondary. The Lions have had a problem minus Darius Slay. So coming back to that point again, it, it sounds like people for the most part are are not saying that Stafford is the number one problem. There are people out there, but and saying the biggest problem area, 33% said it was him, second place to 36% saying the offense. So again, I appreciate everyone voting on the poll. I appreciate those who I mentioned that chimed in. Here's here's my spiel, because I said to you guys earlier, after that game, after the pick six, and after the interception to, to essentially wrap the game up as a, as a Lions loss, all the Stafford haters came out. And it was the, you know, this game Stafford's fault. He's the reason why the Lions can't win. Blah, 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 blah. Social media, the internet, all the stuff I'm reading. I'm sure the newspaper, which no one reads. Here's what I want to what I want to point out here. And there's a lot of factors that go into this. And I, I just want people to understand that if we're gonna have the conversation about Stafford, I need you to promise me one thing. I need you to promise me that you will watch if not every, 95% of the snaps in Lions games. Agreed. And, I, and I don't I don't want to sound like it's my way or the highway. I'm just saying I put my work in. I, I, I know the game well enough. I watch every play. And that gives me, in my mind, enough credibility to say what I say about Matthew Stafford. If you're not going to watch the whole game, if you're going to see the score updates come across your phone and see, huh, the Lions are losing, that equals... Offense not good equals, oh, Matthew Stafford sucks. That doesn't do it for me. You can have your own opinion. Promise me you'll watch the games. I also ask you to do some extra credit for me. Go watch other teams. Go watch the Rams play. Watch the Chiefs play. Watch the Saints play. Watch the Steelers play. Watch these teams that are winning games. I want you to watch what their offense does. Watch the movement. Watch the motion. Watch the amount of time their quarterback has in the pocket. The first stat I want to bring up, there's 32 NFL teams, correct? I want, I want to make this very clear. There are 32 NFL teams. Can we agree on that? That is yeah. factual. That, is, that is factual. Let's say, let's say you know, each team has three primary receivers they put on the field. What's 32 times three? Uh, it's it's close guy. to 100 because 30, it's, it's 100. Yes. And, no, no, it's 97. No, that's not right 96? Journalism majors are 96, here. that's what it 96. is. 96. So let's say 32 teams, including the Lions, each team has three receivers they play pretty regularly, plus or minus some. 96 receivers we're talking about in the league. Your Detroit Lions do not have a receiver in the top 100 of the NFL. Not a receiver, not a tight end. In the top 100 of most yards of separation between the receiver and the defender. What that means is, I come back to my point about Chase Daniel and Mitch Trubisky. When he throws the ball, his receivers are so wide open. They're catching balls where they don't have defenders within yards of them. The Lions, like the throw to Galladay that Galladay didn't catch, obviously, 
like Stafford can't even throw balls on a rope. He has to throw it like a piece of dental floss. Like he's throwing balls through like window cracks that like makes you shiver in the winter because there's a draft coming through your the bottom of your your garage door. That's where Stafford not again. Thirty two NFL teams, three primary receivers a team. That gives you ninety six receivers. Not even Kenny Galladay. Not not Marvin Jones. Not a receiver, a tight end, or a maybe even a running back that does not rank in the top 100 of yards of separation from their defenders. So very simply and logically, if your defender is sitting right on your ass, probably a little hard to get your quarterback to get you the ball, right? And not only that, but if you got a defender on you, you catch a ball, it gets punched out. Or you got a, a hand in your face, you can't catch it. Or there's just there's no opportunity for a run after the catch. Right. So no catch equals, you know, Stafford's, you know, they call him the, the Pat Stafford or whatever, pads, whatever. You know, it's kind of hard to pad your stats when your receivers aren't open. Okay? Yeah. Like, another example. There's a great picture. I wish I could show it. There's a great picture that was on Twitter that I, I sent to you guys earlier in the year. It's the Lions receivers with the route combination that has... Three receivers, you could draw a straight line through them, like five yards, eight yards, and like 12 yards apart. Like that's the route combinations that your offensive coordinator draws up. I don't know if you guys remember. There was a pass. I don't know the quarter. Don't know the city. It might have been third down, but Stafford looks to the sidelines to throw a ball. He has, I believe it's Luke Wilson, maybe Michael Michael Roberts. On the same sideline, five yards up is Kenny Galladay. Pass goes over Wilson's head. Oh, I remember this. Wilson yep. reaches up for it, but it's like a foot over his head. And Galladay puts one hand up like, I have no idea who this ball is going to. That, to me, like, that's poor placement of players based on your route combinations. And that it, it comes down to your offensive coordinator. And granted, you know, we talk about the interceptions. Uh, I mean, like, Ben Roethlisberger, if you watch the, the Pittsburgh and, and Denver game, they're on like the maybe like the one yard like they're very inside five yards I believe, you know with they're down by seven end of the game, and Ben Roethlisberger threw one of the worst interceptions in the end zone I've ever seen. He kind of bobbled the snap and he just threw a quick little pass like right to a linebacker's hands. Antonio Brown was his target, but he was covered by a guy or two. Like that's a bad interception. You know, and that and Ben Roethlisberger is a pretty damn good quarterback. I don't think anyone can refute that. As my phone is now died on Facebook Live. Goodbye, Facebook Live. Now I can focus here. Listen to the podcast. Exactly. So, like Roethlisberger throws that pick. People aren't going for Big Ben's head about uh, he sucks. He's the reason why the why the why the Steelers are only seven three and one. Okay, Matthew Stafford's interceptions. The one to the one for the pick six, yeah, it, it was a bad throw. You, you need to know better in year ten. But again, you know, he knew exactly. Eddie Jackson knew exactly where the ball was going. The one to Roberts, again, dude, like the guy's running. He gets kind of held up at the line, and he starts running into the end zone, and he stops as like he saw a squirrel run across like the like the, the back uh. of the end zone. Against Will Fuller, I believe it was. You know, either way, you don't have cornerbacks that are six foot five in the NFL. Roberts, bro, run on the back of the end zone. Let Stafford throw the jump ball. They tie the game up. They go, you know, whatever. But this is the point I want to bring it back to. You know, everyone like they love to point the finger at Stafford, 
And and I have to and maybe it's wrong maybe it's wrong for me to assume, but for me to sit here and, and, and think that you know I have to imagine when people say that they don't think Matthew Stafford's the guy or he's got to go. That tells me that you think he's the number one problem and that you think the Lions could have someone better that would put the Lions in a better spot to win than Stafford. So my point is this. Look at Aaron Rodgers. And I've said this many times before. I cannot believe my phone is dead. I'm so pissed. But life goes on. Besides the point. Focus. Focus. (laughs) Besides the point. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers are what? Four, six, and one? Right? Yeah. The Lions are four, and and seven? Yep. Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback to ever play the game. He really is. And, like, no one, no one in Green Bay, in the nation, really, besides maybe Skip Bayless, points the finger at Aaron Rodgers and says, this guy's the problem. Well, he's got the same record as Stafford. And if you're going to tell me that the Lions are, like, unbelievably better than the Packers, you're wrong. That's not true. It means you're not watching football. Okay? Devontae Adams... It is nothing without Aaron Rodgers, okay? Like, Rodgers makes him, and they're still, you know, 4-6-1. and one. So, my question is just this, and Collins, maybe you can answer because you're on the flip side here. To anyone listening, I'm so pissed the phone's dead. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Focus. Anyway. On. What, what do you want from Stafford that you're not getting or haven't been getting? What, what can Matthew Stafford do on his own that makes the Lions not four and seven but seven and four. Makes them eight and three. Makes them a playoff team. Allows them to win a playoff game. What can he do individually, all else held constant, that he is not doing for you? Again, look at Aaron Rodgers. If you're gonna sit here and tell me he's not the best, if not a top three quarterback of all time, you are dead nuts wrong. But you look at Rodgers, you look at the record, you look at how the Packers play, they're not good, and you have the best quarterback ever. You look at Matt Ryan, who's a pretty solid quarterback, his team stinks. Okay? Like, I need to know what you want. Who do you want? Would you like the Lions to trade Stafford, release Stafford, and draft someone else, and do you want to wait five more years until the guy's actually serviceable, and maybe then you don't make the playoffs? Or would you like Stafford here for? I I I don't know what you want. I want Matthew Stafford to win one big game. So do I. But but explain it's to me how years. He, it's been ten years. Explain. I need you to and, explain. And it's how tough he, to get to that spot when you're starting one and three for the past three years. I'm Collins. Oh I'm, just, I'm just. Give saying, me a break. I'm just saying. Go go for it. Okay. Good, okay. Yeah, yeah, I right. I I know what Ryan's saying about like Rodgers and so. The thing that's different between them is that Rodgers and Roethlisberger have done it before. I mean, Roethlisberger has two Super Bowls. Aaron Rodgers has one Super Bowl, and he's been successful in the playoffs and made unbelievable plays in the playoffs. The thing, I, I, I don't think there's something Stafford could do. I, I look at Stafford right now, who I've always thought was way better than Jay Cutler, and I think their careers are starting to shape out to be similar. Where they're both... they Dude, both No, you, no, no. Oh, oh. D- d- wait, let me get to my point. Okay. Jay Cutler, who was really bad at the end of his career, I'm not denying that, was got 
bad criticism than he should have. He was really not that bad when he was in a Bears uniform. And I think Stafford, after he played pretty poorly this Thanksgiving, was getting the slack that, oh, he hasn't been good in years. That's not true because he's been really good the last four years. But I, I, I just think Stafford's almost lost it. And I think it, there's nothing – I've always been a Stafford guy at the point where he's not the main problem, and I still don't think he's the main problem. But I, I think he's at that point where Cutler was at the end of his tenure in Chicago where he it, there's something about his situation here that it, it's never going to work out. And I think you see his some of his talents are starting to diminish, honestly. I think the one thing you saw the last couple of years is he's able to bring his team back regardless of the score, regardless of the situation. And I understand that Robert's play might have not been his fault, but in the last three years, he's been getting that done. He has not been able to get that done this year, with the exception of the Cowboys game, which they ended up losing anyway. <laughs> and that that and that pitch against Eddie Jackson's it's un- unexcusable. You're going in with five thirty, I think, was left, and you throw a pitch six to basically seal the game after the Bears showed that they were not capable of winning it with their offense. Regardless of what Chase Daniel did and how comfortable he looked, they weren't winning that game on the offensive end. And they Stafford in that offense hand played it, even though that was Jim Bob terrible play design. And you should never have one specific receiver running the same routes every single time like they do with Roberts. But I, I when I looked at it, I just think Stafford, like at year ten, I think he's regressed, and I think it's all going downhill from here. With especially with the lines, I I don't see any situation or anything where it gets better from this. I think his peak was the last three years, and they didn't have the teams around him to make it really really capitalize on it. And I I, I think he's out of his prime. I think it's maybe a time for a change of scenery because he has the talent. And I'm not saying get rid of him now. I mean it's one bad year. I get that. But I, I just see this trend right now that I don't think he's going to be able to get out of. He, I, I really looked at it as he's a more talented Jay Cutler who didn't really get a fair shake with the media. Everyone calls him terrible. He was better than that. But it, it just, at the end of his tenure, he didn't have the talent around him. And he, once his talent started to diminish, I mean, he's, I've never seen Stafford look more uncomfortable. It looks like he sees ghosts. And I know there was a lot of like quick releases, but he's not happy feet now. He never had that. Never had that. He has terrible footwork, and that's a terrible recipe for a quarterback. And I, 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 for his sake, I would want to be out there and try and get a trade to Jacksonville. For the Lions' sake, I would want to want him around because he's serviceable and he's better than anything you're gonna get in this year's draft and maybe next year's draft. But. I, if I'm Stafford, I would want to change the scenery because I think he gets too much slack for him really not being the main issue. Like he gets the blame for that game, which he deserves. He he deserves fifty percent of that blame, but he doesn't deserve the blame for the Lions being bad the last five years. That's just not you haven't watched the Lions because that's not the truth. But if I'm him, I want to get out of here and save his reputation because they're they're not putting him in a position anymore, and I don't think he's talented enough to carry a team and why not want to go why not go to a team that has capabilities to get his Super Bowl and regain his reputation because he's kind of getting smeared in a bad situation in Detroit. That's just my thoughts. Um <clears throat> excuse me. Uh so first I just a couple I just have a couple things that I thought of when you guys were talking. Mm-hmm. Ryan, I want to talk about that separation yard stat just real quick because the Lions 
are doing their part on both sides of the ball. Uh, on offense, your scheme is awful, for one. And then on defense, you're not getting pressure on quarterbacks and you're allowing other receivers to get all the separation. So mm. that's just interesting to me. And then this is the last thing I want to say about Michael Roberts. Then we can sort of put this to bed. That second pick, undoubtedly his fault. I don't care what anybody says. And and he, you're, you're 6'5", you're 265. I think you're the future tight end of this team, but those mistakes just can't happen. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm asking. All right, I know it happens once, but it's just it's unacceptable. And those mistakes. Yeah, I mean, can't that's happen. that's a play. Like, like, you see, every team does it. You throw a little fade to the end zone to your tight end, go up and grab it. You know, and he just he choked. Right, and then okay, so I just want to take a deep <laughs> breath before I start this because oh boy, uh, am I a Stafford apologist? Absolutely, I am, and because he deserves to be defended and fought for, and people need to hear this. And and Ryan, like you said. I, I do not miss a snap. You can look at you can't you just you can't look at a box score and a bleacher report highlight or two and talk to me like like, like Stafford like you you can't talk to me about Stafford or much less even have a valid opinion on this unless you watch the like all three of us do mm-hmm. unless you watch the games and 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 actually know what you're looking at and assess it from there. So I want to I want to look at this in a macro sense once more. Uh, Stafford has has not once been the sole problem for one loss this season, and I know I'm going to get some kickback on that. <sighs> Jets game, it was your play calling, obviously. Oh, my God. The, listen. Oh, the, my God. Jets, Are you kidding they me? They said they knew what plays we were running. He was put, so bad. Yeah, he, okay, they, he was, you, I'm okay. saying the biggest yeah. problem was the play calling in that game. Do you disagree? Yes, I completely you do? disagree. He was terrible well, that well, Jets. Well, that was the I, worst I'm not game. saying he wasn't that, terrible. That, the play the calling was horrific. That was the worst yeah, play but, calling in NFL history. Yes, but the, the oh thing is, is again, you but you have to look at it. Like, I know you watched the game. Like, the receivers were never open. No, they weren't. Yeah, yeah but he exactly. throws an interception. Who did he do? Did he lay on the ground? Yeah, did he lay on the ground? Listen, yeah, listen, but you saw I, him make throw two okay, interceptions where he was basically throwing it to okay. a Jets linebacker. But, but just, 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 we're, okay. just listen. Just hear, me, hear me out on this go for a on. second. Hear go me out on this for a second. <laughs> oh there is proof in the post-game press conference that the Jets defenders knew what plays were being run. That's like case closed. Play calling sucked in that game. Oh Matt God. Stafford sucked in that game because of the play calling. 49ers was the run defense. Cowboys was the run defense and the secondary and play calling. That was just a game we should have won. Seattle, I hear you. That was probably the worst game of the season for him other than that, that Jets disaster. Secondary, Amir Abdullah, play calling, rough game. At Bears, your secondary. Slay was out, I know. Play calling. Uh, Vikings, play calling. Bears on Thanksgiving, play calling. I, I it's just the, these things. This this is the biggest point I guess I want to drive home with this because I understand Stafford is a big reason the Lions are four and seven, but he's not the reason they they're not a good football team because these things are not mutually exclusive. If your play calling's bad, your quarterback's not going to play well. I don't I don't disagree with you, but name one team Stafford's won for the Lions this year. And I and I think in the past three or four years he's won a lot of games for Lions. Well, this year I don't see I haven't seen any okay, of that. I think but yeah, go ahead, Trent. I want I want to answer that question. There was too. a game winning drive for the Panthers against the Panthers. The, the def- I under I hear yeah I know the defense bent bent but didn't break and that could have been bad but I, I, I just that game the Dolphins game you're in control all time Patriots game you're in control all time that's because that the, Matt Stafford gets credit for those things. Okay, I, I definitely think so and and I just I just want to hammer this home before I move on from this. Uh, it's not mutually exclusive. If your offense, and I'm not saying you're, I'm not saying 
you're disagreeing. I'm just saying. Probably am, but the, the, <laughs> the, the offensive coordinator. If the if your offensive play calling is bad, your quarterback's not going to be successful. I agree. Yeah, I agree. So, it's so bad. That's just so. I I'm not saying Stafford's blameless. In fact, Ryan, in your Twitter poll, I voted. I, I voted. I don't know if that. Okay, I should be able fair. to say that. I I said he's a minor problem, not a major problem. Yeah. Not no blame. He's a minor problem. He's a, he has to play better. But to me, a lot of that relies on your play calling and your scheme and things like that. And that's the only reason that I say, obviously, in every single one of these losses, Stafford's a reason for the loss. He's just not the biggest reason. I think there's always something. In, so, so am I a Stafford apologist? Yes, but you, because you have to put things in context at some point. That's just my take on it. So the two most common things on that list I just went down were play calling in your secondary. Stafford has succeeded in the past. We have three playoff appearances, and 2011 was the first since 99. That, that's the first in my lifetime because I was born in 1999. So he, he's a top three player in franchise history, the undisputed great Lions <sighs> quarterback ever. It, it's, it's just I, I, don't know, I don't think I have to sit up here and defend his talent because Drew Brees said he has the best arm in the NFL. Drew Brees said that. He's played with average or below offensive lines his entire career, still had success, like you said. The, 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 his, his footwork has, has taken a step back this year. Not sure what that is. Maybe, it's just, yeah, maybe it is just age. I'm not sure, but he, he, despite the bad offensive line play, he's found a way to make plays in the past. But, but I just want to move on to this. We have our franchise quarterback, and, and whether or not you people want him here, he's here. We're paying him $27 million a year to throw the football, and, and we have him locked up till 2023. And like Ryan said a couple weeks ago, Stafford critics, I know you're frustrated. I hear you, but take a deep breath. Take a step back. Look what's being put on the field. I just mentioned the young offensive line that I have hope for. I, have, I, have, I think this offensive line has promise, but it's far from perfect. The secondary is horrific. We need a second corner. You have a top three corner, but... And and I, I I do think Nevin Lawson, Deshaun Shedd, and even Mike Ford, <clears throat> who who put together a decent Thanksgiving Day game, they can be solid depth guys. But a second corner, the Lions need a second corner tremendously. Um, and, and I, this is my next point that that's interesting, and you, I want you guys to jump in on this and 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 talk talk about this. Look at all the Super Bowl teams from years past. I think Stafford could have won with all of them, and I'm I'm just. <sighs> I, just, just hear me out for a second. <laughs> Seattle had the Legion of Boom defense, Pete Carroll, Marshawn Lynch as a run game, and the Tate Baldwin two-headed dragon. Do you think Stafford could have won with that defense and and that 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 coach? And come on, really? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. But that's it's certain. I I don't understand how that has anything to do with our because argument. because people people want him gone. They don't think he's any yeah, good. I, I he yeah. was. He, I think in that time he would. He's different now. He's a completely different player than he has been the last three years. But we he looks also have, we also he have, looks awful. Okay, I, I truly I, I I I don't know what it is, but he he it there's something about Stafford that is just off and and. And I do, and I was with you for a long time. I always thought, hey, if Denver ever made a move to get Stafford with that defense, that team would be elite. But I, at this point of his career, I don't see it like that anymore. Okay, that's I, just my opinion. I I agree with you, except for the fact that I think this year the offensive scheme has never been worse in his entire career. And 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 I just I don't think a guy could flip flip and be that bad in a one in one year. I just don't think that's possible. I think there's so many other things, and there's so many, just the glaring reasons the Lions are losing these games, like I just pointed out. 
yeah, Stafford's Stafford's at the top three of every game, but it's it's the play calling, it it's the secondary, it's these other things that just stink. And and I don't I don't think that Stafford in one year could just go from being being top eight, top ten to to bottom ten, whatever you want to say. I just I just don't I don't think that's even possible. But anyways, just continuing with this this little thing I have the the Broncos had an all time pass rush. Gary Kubiak, the, the the Eagles had a great defense, a, a good head coach, an offensive minded head coach, and Doug Peterson studs all over the field on offense. When they won with a backup quarterback, my point and, and so I I say. The, the Lions aren't far off at all, but Stafford needs to be the guy. Carryon Johnson's your messiah for the run game. He's the best since Barry Sanders. Kenny Galladay is getting scarier by the snap. Marvin Jones is going to come back healthy next season. Both these guys are under 30 years old. They're freak athletes, tough covers. The problem is Jim Bob Cooter, and I won't get into that again, but the problem is Jim Bob Cooter, and I say all that to say this. This is my last thing. I, I say all that to say this right here. The Detroit Lions are an offensive coordinator, a couple secondary pieces, and a right guard away from being a great team. So they four things? Because of Matt Stapp. Well, you you could fix all those things in one year. You could. You could. So I, That secondary is bad. But okay. That secondary is bad, but the, you, ha, you already have a top three corner in place. Yeah. You have two safeties who have, have a lot of years under their belt, and I, I just think... I think I just, I just, I, I think the Lions are close, and the the offense finally has a running back and a solid receiving core. The defense is a prime time corner, pretty good young linebacking core, seemingly potentially elite run defense. Now with Snacks Harrison, am I wrong about that? No, but nope. continue. So Bob Quinn, I'm going to address you one last time before I turn it over. Do what you need to do. Fill the holes, and this roster is prime for for uh, for for greatness. Dare I say it? That you, you need to fill your holes. You can do it in one offseason. I would just love to see it happen. Offensive coordinator, secondary, and one more piece on that offensive line because you have your quarterback. He He's a top-eight quarterback, and, and you just – and it's too early for me to jump on Patricia, but that that's it. That's my spiel. Ryan, say something before I yell for about well, 10 minutes. Well, look, no, I, I, I want to make it clear that, you know – uh, Trent has now come out and said he's a, is a Stafford apologist. So I, I, how I appreciate that. Very I appreciate that. I I am going to sit here I and say that. Yeah, my, yeah. I, I I don't I don't want to call myself an apologist because you know I too in the past have been very very critical of Stafford and have pointed the finger right at him and said like dude you got to be better like you're co- like I don't yeah. want to say costly games but but we've all we've all sat here and and ha- have said like you know. I'm not sitting here saying that Matthew Stafford has no part in the lack of success of the Lions this year. To your point, Collins, where you're right, is people that are going to sit here and say like the Lions haven't been good for a decade or the last five years because of Stafford, that's stupid. Like that's yeah. that's ignorant to me. But the point I'm trying to make, again, I'll read the stat again. 32 NFL teams, three receivers that usually see consistent action on the field for each team, the Lions don't have a human being in the top 100 in the NFL of having yards of separation between them and the defender. Look at the game with the Bears, dude. I said it before the Bears. They played the Bears this week. I said it after they played the Bears with Trubisky. 
Bears quarterbacks, Daniel Trubisky, they're throwing to receivers that are sitting on a boat in the middle of the ocean. There's no one around them. Stafford has to drop to the sidearm crap he did in the first couple years and throw it on a piece of dental floss to Kenny Galladay between two defenders diving on the ground in the end zone, which is a catchable ball that was in his hands that he dropped. That's a drop. That's not on Stafford. So people, I don't know where the expectation is for Stafford because, because like, look, what does your quarterback do? He calls plays that get said to him inside the helmet. He makes audibles at the line, and he throws the football on a very, very minimal, short-sighted basis. It's not like Stafford is out here throwing four or five picks a game like Nathan Peterman. He, he's not He's not uh, incapable of throwing a deep ball down the field. He makes his fair share of mistakes, sure, but all quarterbacks do. Like, is he as good as Aaron Rodgers as getting out of the pocket and, and, and throwing the ball out of bounds when he should be? Probably not, but we're talking about Aaron Rodgers here. So uh, again, like people people put all of this, all of their frustration on Stafford because he's the quarterback, and they bring up the money. He's a quarterback in the NFL. Like, that's what the position pays, man. Like, running backs don't get paid like quarterbacks because it's not as important a position. You can't blame Stafford because he, hell, dude, it's like the same thing with Dwayne Casey. You got to pay the guy and lock him up for five years because who wants to come here and play? You think Stafford really wants to play for the Lions? Like, I think he's bought into the city and he's a staple here in Detroit, but I feel for the guy. I do because his teams aren't good. And I want to go back to and like, you know, the, the Twitter polls we threw out about, you know, who do you blame? And I didn't even have ownership on the list, but like, it's an incompetent organization. It really is like, they don't care about the team like other owners do. They bring in Bob Quinn. Great. I think Bob Quinn is a, is a, is a damn fine GM in the NFL. He's a proven GM. He brings in Patricia. But you still got these pieces like I can't confidently say, you know, when, when when there's an offensive coordinator that's getting receivers open, that's 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 committing to the run game, you know, you have carry on Johnson now. So I agree to an extent the window for Stafford excuses is getting slimmer and slimmer, but it seems like the Lions are always one step forward, two steps back. It's just it's hard for me, you know, and I, I have to ask like like Collins explicitly. And to anyone else that that, that watches or, or listens to us, what is it that you want Stafford to do that he's not doing that another quarterback on this team could do? If that makes any sense, I know what before, you're saying. Before you answer real quick, I just want to say that's why I was bringing up the past Super Bowl because I just I just don't. Un- to me, it's kind of like the same. They go together. Like what these teams get it done because they have competent everything else, everything else around the quarterback. So. It, yeah, Collins. I, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just no, no, no. I know you're fine. I just, I, I just don't understand why, unlike any other organization in Detroit, Detroit Lions fans just accept mediocrity. Three playoffs since 1999 is a joke, and and especially in a league like the NFL where turnover is crazy because the way that the way the draft works, you should be in the playoffs every three to four years, no question. But just because Stafford's the nuts, the the guy that got you back to the playoffs doesn't mean he is the guy. That's what I'm trying to say. I, I I just don't. I don't think he's the guy anymore. I truly. I thought that for a long time, and I think it's just time has run its course, and he he doesn't have the weapons that he used to have. And I think 
the opportunity he had in 2014 was the last shot he really had at doing some major damage because that defense was awesome and he had good weapons around him. I just, and I know what you're saying. I don't think Stafford can do more than he can because the positions they put him in are awful. Cooter's been bad this year, but I, I, what I've seen on the field from him doesn't see, I don't see him stepping into a new offensive coordinator and putting up the same numbers he has the past three years. I, I, I think his confidence is shot right now, and I think he's regressed because how, like you said, the the system is so bad, it puts him in really bad situations, and I know what you're saying, but when you continually go out there and you're making the wrong play, it gets in your head, and you hear people in Detroit giving him a bunch of crap, and that gets in your head, and I think you can tell that with all the pushback from his wife on social media that it is kind of getting to him. I'm sure. The, yeah. No, and I... And I don't, I've never understood the Stafford backlash until this year. I, I, I never did. And I think this year is the first year I'm kind of jumped on that bandwagon that it, he's just not the guy. He's not the guy who's going to get it done for you. Not the guy who's going to take you to the promised land. Nothing against him. Good player. One of the best quarterbacks in Detroit Lions history. But that's not saying much because they've had garbage quarterbacks ever since Bobby Lane. That. <laughs> Just because he's good doesn't mean you go out and get someone who's great. I just don't understand why th- three playoffs where they don't win a game is some great accomplishment. That's not an accomplishment to me, it, the, especially in a league like the NFL. It is. It's funny you say that you've now jumped on the train of of understanding the Stafford hate because I think this year for me, this is my first year on the train of not understanding the Stafford hate. In, in, in all honesty, I just I think. When, you know, I hear what you're saying, dude. Trust me, everyone's frustrated with the Lions, man. Yeah, I totally respect all those opinions, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, and I that's, the, that's the thing. Because, you know, you, you watch and you're intelligent, and, and I know what you're saying. It, it all has weight to it. I, It's just what I have trouble with is you say Stafford's not the guy. So, like, who is? And, and, and back I, I, to, I don't have that answer, and I really don't. And I'm just saying that there's... It, there are only like three or four guys ever to be like the guy. Like you get guy. Like you have to be so lucky to stumble upon the guy. Like the Saints, so lucky to stumble upon Drew Brees in free agency. I mean, you get a once in a life talent like Peyton Manning. Tom Brady's incredible. I understand that, and a lot, that just doesn't come every five years. And I know that Stafford might be better than a mediocre quarterback in the league, but why not try something else? That's what I'm saying. Like why 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 settle for mediocrity? Why? Well, I don't. I there's no no interest in going nine and seven and losing every year in the playoffs in the first game. I have no interest in that. I really don't. Right. I don't either. I I'm just I'm just saying that, and I I've said this before, but I I feel like I'm beating a dead horse. Look at the quarterbacks in the league, okay? And again, I talk about Aaron Rodgers, who is the best quarterback to ever throw a football. Yeah, but he, his team's four, six, and one. He, I, he won a Super Bowl in twenty ten, right? Yes. His team was unreal, out of control. That team was great. Yeah, but he's also led teams to NFC championships. You saw him take over a game in Dallas and straight up make the best throw I've ever seen. Right, but he is the best quarterback of all time. I'm not that. That I understand that. And I under that's not what I'm saying. But your argument is that he's four sits and one. That that, that I this season is not record base is not why I'm uh, like often at Stafford. I just think this year you you always saw flashes of Stafford that him making incredible plays and 
maybe him not having the support that he needed. When I look back and they lost that Sunday night game against the Green Bay Packers, the one in the division, I'd never blame that game on Stafford. I think he played well. They never had the football. They got dominated on the time of possession. But when I don't, now when I looked at it, he might not be the main reason that he's like the main reason this Lions team has struggled, but he's not a reason that they're winning anymore. He's not a positive anymore in my book. And he's not a guy who's done a draw and win you a game anymore. I just truly don't see it. I just I want to jump in here because I want to say this. I think there's there's plenty of teams that have won Super Bowls without great quarterbacks. Can we all agree on that? Flacco. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Flacco, you know, he was uh, great in the playoffs, Trent Dilfer though. for yeah. that first Ravens team. There, there, there's examples of this. Russell Wilson, when they won the Super Bowl, he wasn't really established yet. Yeah. That Super Bowl kind of gave him his credit. You know, yeah, it kind of got him going. But I'm just so. So what does that say? That says you need functional pieces around. And yeah. and I just detailed it for you. Like the Lions have a lot of these things. What they need is, and besides positional players, they need an offensive coordinator. And to me, it's just it's the. Maybe maybe Ryan, if the Lions did have two or three receivers in the top 100 for separation yards, they'd be six and five, or at least five and six. You know, it's hard for me to say that. It's just, in my opinion, this scheme and this offensive it is so bad that two or three defenses defenses this year have come out and said, "We know what plays they're running." That's just that's unacceptable to me, and it's to me to me just in my opinion, it's a big enough problem to the point where that. Gets that gets my that that gets the finger first before anyone else, in my opinion, and and it's just it it's ridiculous, and, and to me that's just that's the biggest issue, and and I I I hear I respect everything you just said, Collins, because I know there's a lot of people out there who agree with you, and and you're, I'm probably me and Ryan are probably more of the minority in this at this point because the mm-hmm. Lions are four and seven. Stafford did throw two picks in in that Thanksgiving Day game, and it's it's just. I just don't want to hear any more Stafford bashing. Like, you, you can critique him and say, okay, that was a bad throw. Bad th-. I don't want to hear any more, like, not saying this is you. Not, I don't want to hear any more. Li- Stafford's the reason the Lions yes, are yes, losing. I agree. Until we get a new scheme. If, if we bring in a new guy and the Lions stink next year, then we could start having the conversation, okay, they got to move on. Yeah. I just, I have so much faith in him and what he's done in the past. Granted, it is the past. I have so much faith in that and so much faith in, in, in just what we've seen when he has competent coaching and good talent around him that I just think the offensive coordinator position is the biggest problem for the Lions. I just, like the past, I know what you're saying, Trent. He has been very good, and he has been really good in the stat book. He's had a rocket arm, and he's won this line. And, and all I'm plenty saying, of games. All I'm saying is games. a one-year turnaround for that doesn't psychologically yeah, make a I, lot I, of sense. And I, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I just think that the Lions might be a year away from realizing this. That he, the, it was so bad before he got here. It was so bad. Yes, and he was the first competent guy really to be in Detroit for a long time since like the Scott Mitchell, Eric Kramer, like Rodney Pete days, who were just like decent enough to hand it off to Barry. But, like, he, it's been so bad for so long here in Detroit, and once they get that glimpse of success it's with such a rabid fan base, they don't want to get rid of that. They have that connection with Stafford forever, that he got him through that 0-16 season, that he was a part of that rebuild with Jim Schwartz, and putting good playoff teams on the field but not being able to really get it done when it mattered. But I, I just think it's time to just... 
respectively said, thank you for your time here. You've contributed a lot. You've done a lot for the city, but it, you're just not the guy. We got to start somewhere fresh and figure out where we can go as an organization to make this franchise better and maybe maybe get the pieces from a Stafford deal or something like that to ma- put this team over the top because there is a lot of holes on this team. I just, I for the first time in a long time, and I think I've came to this epiphany while we've been talking, <laughs> I, I, I just think it's time for Stafford. Not I, It's not his fault. It's never been his fault. I truly believe that. But if he's not winning you games anymore, why have him? That's just my... My take. I just think if you guys don't mind me wrapping up the Stafford stuff, yeah, because we haven't talked about it for so long. Yeah, you get to the picks too. Everyone's America's favorite segment. Yeah, and you know, there's there's questions too. I, I wanted to get to of us answering kind of the Twitter poll of who do you blame? Where does Stafford rank on the list? What does it mean for the rest of the season? But you know, we can we, talk about that next week. Yeah, we can talk about that next week. We'll get into the Rams here after I say this. You know, there's. I think we've all said to an extent. You know, it. It see. I think the lot of the Lions is smoke and mirrors. They. You know, you have a big name like Bob Quinn. You have a big name like Matt Patricia. You know, you see them making moves in the draft. You, you get. You see this praise out of the draft. You see. You know, Carryon Johnson has been a been a bright spot. Kenny Gallaud has been a bright spot. So it's a lot of flashy surface level things that you think like, huh, the Lions are actually doing something because they never do anything. So they must be getting better, right? And Stafford's holding them back. I don't think this team has the weapons or, you know, I think, Trent, you're a little bit more positive about what the team has to offer than I am. The offensive line is inconsistent. Consistency is a part of being considered good. So letting up 10 sacks, 5 sacks, 6 sacks, it's not good. So you lose TJ Lang. I get it. But you have Swanson, Glasgow, and Ragnow. So over the over time, you know, give them a year or two more. Ragnow's a rookie. You know, they'll get better. Okay, they'll they'll get better. You have Carrion Johnson, who's hurt right now, didn't play. At the, if Carrion Johnson plays against the Bears, they win. I think so, too. I agree. You have yeah, Carry, you yeah, have Carry yes, on Johnson. I completely agree. Who for the first time the holes were big. The holes were yes, big. Yes, for the first Thursday. time, you, you're confident about the running game. There, you have Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, who will be back. Okay, those are two guys who I'm pretty confident putting out there on the on the wide receiver end. The secondary's bad. Besides Darius Slay, the offensive line, the the run stopping's been getting better. And I'm saying to when I when I talk about you saying that they have the thinking they're better than they are. I think they're a year or two away from us being like, damn, look at that run D. I thought that damn, was last look at year. Davis. And that's what that's the thing, but it, but you've seen it hasn't been. So all I want fans to do, you know, it's a you got a new coach, you got a new system, there's some growing pains. Give them a year or two. When Stafford's contract is up, whether it's like next year or after next year or after two years, you know, then we can sit and have the conversation. Is this team good enough to give this guy one more shot? Whether it's one year, two years, that's where I want to leave it, at least for this week. And, and, and if you guys are comfortable with that, yeah, well, I, I could yes. talk for hours, but yeah, yeah, we yeah. could. Okay, yeah. so 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 briefly before we get into the actual picks, the Rams. Do you see them having a chance winning the Rams game? No. Yes. <laughs> okay, a chance. You asked about a chance. Yeah, I I think there's a reason they they're gonna play the game. Yeah, I, yeah, I yes. think there's a chance. Okay, because yeah. for me, and we can get into this briefly, they are they do have that seven win mark, and we've been saying you know it's probably going to take a six loss team to win the division 
They're still mathematically in the wild card. You can win out. You can, you know, and if they do, I think they get in the playoffs. So I'm not saying, you know, when they get to when they get to eight and eight, we can we can or when they get to that eight loss mark, and it might happen this Sunday, we can talk about the Lions and what the rest of the season means. That being said, this is, this music doesn't even like excite me anymore. I'm not even getting pumped up for the music anymore. It's a oh. sad day. After last week in the Lions' loss to the Bears, I had a, like a weird like I couldn't even figure out what I wanted to say last week with my pick. I moved to three and seven. Trent is two and eight. Collins is four and six in the lead. We all suck. You Keep betting against the Lions. You should not listen to this show and and go to and go call your bookie right after. The Rams visit Detroit on Sunday at 1 p.m. The Lions are a 10-point underdog. Collins, you're in the lead. Oh, over-unders at 55. Collins, I'll kick it off to you. Uh, I don't. If you're the Lions, I I mean, you, it, you get a long week, but the Rams are coming off a bye. So, I mean, Sean McVay is the best coach in football, I think, right now. With an extra week of preparation, I like their chances against the Lions. But I do think the Lions cover. I think 10 a little bit too much at home. For a team that consistently is inconsistent and will somehow show, show up this game and play their best game of the year. So I like the Lions to cover, and I think it's going to be under since the Lions offense really hasn't been explosive all year. But I like the Lions to cover. Rams win, but uh, it's going to go under. I think it's going to be like a 21 to, 21 to 28 Rams victory. Trent, go ahead. Um... I'm picking Rams 34, Lions 35. I got the over. I'm picking the Lions because why not? I'm in last place in this thing. I'm just <laughs> I go, I'm going with my team. Do you, the do you believe them? Do you believe they'll actually win? He throws the towel in. I'm betting. I'm picking the Lions. I'm okay. not, I'm not you giving believe, you a yes or no That's all he has answer. to say. Listen, okay. Matt Stafford will bounce back. Lions will come out of nowhere and win. I'm not giving you any predictions other than Ford Field will have the roof blown off and the Lions will win an extremely close one. Aaron Donald's a beast. Talib's coming back. Rams coming off a bye. That's exactly why I'm saying Lions win because they're unpredictable. And I just want, I want to throw this in before I go to Ryan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the definition of apologist oh is a person who offers <laughs> an argument in defense me? of something controversial. That is what I do for Matt Stafford by Damn. definition. Maybe I am an apologist. I'm an apologist. Dang, by dude. definition. I mean, if you want to go by the book, yeah. that's it. So Matt Stafford bounces back. Lions win 35-34. And I got the over. I don't know if I said that before. Okay. I I think, first of all, as far as the over-under, I think the Rams can get to 55 by themselves. Yeah, they don't they need can. the Lions' yeah. help, as we've seen. Lions is a 10-point dog. I, man, I don't see it. And I, I the reason why I don't see it is because I think if I say I don't see it, the Lions are going to win. <laughs> I like the Rams to cover. I think this game can get out of hand fast and... At Ford Field, the fans, you know, there's no love loss between the fans and the Lions. And if Boo it gets out if loud, if it starts getting ugly, man, they'll they might boo them out of the stadium. And in in realistically, if that's the loss, if that's your eight losses, that's the nail in the coffin. I hate to say it, I think the Rams cover, and it might just be like a Trent take where I'm saying it because I feel like they the Lions will win if I say it. I don't know. I'm taking the under. Because I think that the the Lions might be able to stop, might be able to put a little bit of the breaks on Todd Gurley. I don't see the Rams putting up 50-some points against the Chiefs. I just don't see the Lions being able to score enough points to hang in. So I got the Rams. I got the under. 
I, I got Some depressed. I, I, dude, it's just like, you know, like Lion's depression is, I guess, is kind of a real thing, you know. I, I know. I, I just... Seasonal depression well, every fall. It, and it, because it, we're just, we're, we're looking at the Lions season being over in the face. And I, I freaking love the Lions, man. And I, you Football's know, the best. I have to sit here and, and do my job and, and analyze and be real. And, you know, we can, we can get into like the, the season wrap up when it's actually over. But I mean, hell, you know, after this week, after this Sunday, we might not be, you know, we, I don't know what we're going to talk about if they're done. Like, <laughs> I, I had this moment. I'm just wondering if anyone had a similar experience. How long I are we recording? That, like eight I, hours? Uh, we are at an hour and 43 minutes. Oh, that's a long love time. It. I love it. I, I just, I just, I had this moment real quick on Sunday, not, not on Sunday, Thursday. I'm used to saying Sunday when we'd lost and I literally had tears in my eyes. Now, and it wasn't all sadness. <laughs> oh, you know, here, listen, it was, I'm, I'm saying this. He's just sobbing. It was not all it was, sobbing. It oh wasn't sad tears. It was almost like, no, okay, no, I don't even want to say it. Say it. It was almost like I'm looking at our season sort of coming down to the end, and yeah. I'm, I'm proud. I'm just proud of my team. I'm what? just proud. What are you okay, <laughs> in 2016, I, Trent, listen, you're off the rails, and, and, dude. And I, I don't know I, I what was just, you're I'm, saying. I'm proud of my boy Stafford for hanging in oh, there and I, just knowing that he's going to get all the kickback for this game. Uh, and I was just disappeared. I, I, just, I had floor. some tears. That's all I'm saying. I didn't cry. My uncle, my uncle was like, the game ended 20 minutes ago and T hasn't said a word. And I was like, it's because I'm kind of re- reflecting. I'm reflecting. All right, hour forty four. Let's okay, get out of okay, here. Okay, yeah, guys, oh one my. pride. That's all I gotta say. Oh my god, Trent! Trent's what? <laughs> Trent, you're off the deep end. Oh, I'm out. That's that's all for today's episode of the Motown Rundown for Trent Bailey and Ryan Collins. I'm Ryan Rabinowitz. Again, join the conversation on Twitter hashtag Motown Rundown. Don't forget to subscribe to Impact WDBM on iTunes. Go Lions! One pride. This might be the last meaningful game of the season, folks. So enjoy it. Thank you all for tuning in. We love you guys. We'll see you next Monday. You have been listening to the Motown Rundown, brought to you by Impact 89 FM WDBM. For all your Michigan State and Detroit sports coverage, visit impact89fm.org sports, and don't forget to subscribe on iTunes.